Turn in God's Word this afternoon to Numbers chapter 24. Numbers 24. When you take a break from going through the book of Ephesians and have a number of sermons, the month of December leading up to the celebration of Christmas, sermons, God willing, that lead up to Christmas will be taken from the Old Testament, focusing on prophecies of Christ. So we're going to consider this afternoon a prophecy, a promise of the coming Savior. Numbers chapter 24. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers, which thou sentest unto me, saying, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. And now, behold, I go unto my people, come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days." And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, 
and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheph. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth out, that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. Then he looked on the Kenites and took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenite shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? And ships shall come from the coast of Chittim, and shall afflict Asher, and shall afflict Eber, and he also shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider this afternoon is verses 17 through 19 of this chapter. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheph. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophecy of the Messiah that we consider was given to us by an evil, evil man. The evil man who spoke the words of this text was renowned at that time in history for his ability to be an enchanter or a diviner. Today we might say he would known for his ability to work magic. This evil man, Balaam, was hired by Balak, king of the Moabites, for the purpose of cursing Israel. Balak and the Moabites feared Israel as Israel advanced in their wilderness wanderings. And so Balak sought the help of this enchanter, Balaam, hired him, 
And the purpose of his hiring was so that Balaam would pronounce a curse upon Israel and then hope that that, per- that that curse would assist Moab in defeating the Israelites. What Balak did not account for was God. God controlled Balaam's tongue. So that when Balaam spoke, instead of Balaam cursing this covenant wilderness wandering nation, Balaam blessed Israel. And part of the blessing that Balaam gave to the nation of Israel was the hope of a coming Savior. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Let's consider this prophecy of the Messiah under the theme, the star of Jacob. First, we'll consider his glory. Second, his dominion. And then third, his visibility, looking at those words, I shall see him. Consider with me the glory of this man that Balaam prophesied would come forth out of Jacob. We know that this man will be glorious because he's described as a star. There shall come a star out of Jacob. Children understand what stars are on a dark night. You go outside, try to get away from other lights, lights of the home or the yard light if you're on a farm place. And you look up in the dark night and you can see in the heavens above stars, so many stars that you cannot count them. Stars, we understand, are burning spheres Stars are a creature. They're created by God. On the fourth day, the scriptures teach us that God created stars. He had an eternity ordained that there would be stars in his counsel. He determined what would be the size, what would be the purpose, what would be the light of those stars. But then on the fourth day in time, God shaped and created the stars. Genesis 1 verse 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The closest star to us and the star with which we are the most familiar is the sun. The sun is this burning bright orb in the heavens, which is just the right distance away from this earth. The sun is necessary for us to have life upon this earth. The sun is this burning orb produces heat. And it's from the heat of the sun that the earth is warmed up sufficiently so that we can grow and so that plants and animals as well can grow on this earth so that we have food, nourishment for our bodies. 
God in his wisdom has placed the sun, the appropriate distance away from this earth. If we were further removed from that star, the sun, the earth would freeze over. But if we were closer to that star, the sun, then the earth would be too hot for human life to survive here. And so it is then that we who are on this earth depend upon that great star that God has placed in the heavens above. Stars are glorious and stars are beautiful. Man has for thousands of years used the stars for navigation. Think of ships on the sea that would look to the stars above in order to find their course. Part of the wonder of stars is the sheer magnitude of the stars. The scriptures speak of the number of children that Abraham would have, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. Astronomers tell us that there are more stars in the heavens above than there are grains of sand upon every seashore on this earth. We cannot even with our human minds fathom the magnitude of this creation and the number of stars that are in this universe. And yet God, in his wisdom, made them all. What then does this star picture, the star of Jacob? Throughout the scriptures, stars, light, picture, holiness. The star is this burning orb or sphere, fire and light in the word of God, both picture holiness. And so when Balaam prophesied that there would come a star out of Jacob, what Balaam was prophesying was there would come from the lineage of Jacob a man of exceptional holiness. He would be a man who was devoted unto God. His every thought, his every word, his every action would be devoted unto the glory of God. He would be a man who sought Jehovah above all else, a man who delighted in righteousness, a man who was willing to submit his will unto the will of the Father who is in heaven. This man who would be the star of Jacob would be exemplary in his walk and in his confession. This star of Jacob would stand out from the rest of the lineage of Jacob. He would exceed them all in righteousness. Stars which are visible from a long, long ways away. Picture as well the visibility of this man. It would be evident to anybody who came into contact with this star of Jacob that he was not simply merely another earthly, physical, fallen man, but that he was unique. There was something that would make this star exceptional 
and that which would make this star exceptional would be his holiness. He would shine forth with the radiance and the glory of God himself. He would be a light that would shine in the midst of a dark and fallen world. Star of Jacob. And then as well, the text describes the glory of this man by describing him as a scepter. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And we do not understand this to mean that there are two individuals that are prophesied here. The one is a star, and the other is a scepter. But both of these descriptions reveal to us the same individual. The star is the scepter, and the scepter is the star. A scepter was a rod or a staff, a physical rod. It would be given unto those who were in positions of power. And when a ruler, a king, would hold this rod or scepter in his hand, it would indicate that he had authority over the people of that land. He had the right to make legislation for the citizens who lived within the boundaries of that particular land. The king who had the scepter in his hand could make rules about the nation of Israel, what they were or were not permitted to do. As well, the one who held the scepter in his hand held power over the military, the army. He could give commandment, and the military men would be roused from their sleep and sent off and sent out to fight against the enemies of that particular nation. And so it is then that the glory of this individual is not just that he would be a star out of Jacob, but also that he would be a scepter who would arise out of Israel. Balaam is describing for us a man who would have great power and great military might. A man who would sit upon the throne and who would legislate over Israel. A man who would speak and even the surrounding nations would be required to obey him. A man who could send forth the hosts, send forth the armies, who would fight against all of the enemy nations of Israel. These two ideas, that he would be both a star and a scepter, are related. These are not independent descriptions of this man. But the one who is the star is the man who also is the scepter. He would be the scepter exactly because he was the star. It is because this man would be a man of exceptional holiness, a man who would radiate light, pure and undefiled light. It is because this would be a man in whom there was no sin and no guile to be found. A man who was the image of the Father in heaven. 
that he would be then also the man of power. He was able to be the scepter who would have might and power to rule because he would be a man of holiness. His power would arise out of the fact that he was devoted unto God. How remarkable it is that this star would come out of Jacob and of Israel. Consider how unlikely it is that a star would come out of Jacob. Who's Jacob? The twin brother of Esau. His name means heel holder. And in many respects, he was second to his brother Esau. Second one to be born holding on to the heel of his brother Esau as Esau came out of the womb. Esau was a ruddy man, an outdoorsman, whereas Jacob had soft hands and preferred to be with his mother. Esau was the one who enjoyed the special favor and love of his father, Isaac, Esau was the one designated by his father to receive the birthright blessings. Jacob, in comparison, was the deceiver. Jacob deceived his brother Esau into selling unto him the birthright blessing, took advantage of his brother when he was at a vulnerable time. Jacob, as well, was the one who with the assistance of his mother, deceived his own father, Isaac, who at that time was blind, into giving unto him the birthright blessing. Jacob's problems continued into adulthood. He went away, worked for his uncle Laban, and there he lusted. He saw a woman beautiful, and wanted to marry that woman, Rachel, beautiful to the eyes, instead of preferring godly Leah. And now the text tells us that this heel holder, this deceiver, this one who lusted and coveted, that it is of him that a star will be born. And it's just as remarkable when we consider that a scepter is going to arise out of Israel. Israel, when considered right now as a nation, presently is a homeless nation. They don't have a place that they can call their own. They are wandering around in the wilderness as vagabonds and strangers. They do not have the ability to provide for themselves. They're wandering through the desert. They are dependent upon gracious provision of manna from heaven and water from the rock just to sustain themselves. 
much less to speak of going out and fighting other nations and conquering the enemy. They're a nation that has received a promise that they're going to receive a land, a rich land flowing with milk and honey, but as of yet they have not been given that land. When it comes up to the point in history where they are to receive that land, the only way they can receive that land is by God destroying the walls of Jericho, destroying the enemies of that land who presently occupy it, and God himself giving them that land. And now the text tells us that there's going to be a scepter, a powerful, mighty ruler who's going to come out of Israel. It seems very unlikely, if not impossible. The only explanation, beloved, is that this star and this scepter would be the gift of God. There's no way Jacob of himself could produce such holy offspring that he would be worthy of being called a star. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. Verse 23 speaks of the fact that God would be the one who would give them these victories. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? This star of Jacob would be given great dominion over the enemies. The second half of 17 into 18 and 19 describes for us the dominion that he would have over these enemies. We do well to consider, first of all, who is this enemy over whom he would enjoy victory. 17, second half, shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth, and Edom shall be a possession. What stands out here about this, this the text description of the enemies is these are the relatives of Israel and of Jacob. These are the family members of Israel and of Jacob. Consider the Moabites. The Moabites, the sons of Moab, were the the son of Lot, who was Abraham's nephew who moved into Sodom. Edomites, the word Edom means red. Children, remember who was the red-haired man? Esau. This is Jacob's twin brother's children. The Edomites. And so then, this isn't going to be an enemy that is unrelated to them. It's not going to be a distant far-off, abstract foe whom they face, but they're going to be fighting against someone very personal to them, someone with whom they had a relationship. 
the enemy against whom they fight would not be people who were ignorant of Jehovah God, but they would be people who, at least in their generations, had been taught about Jehovah God. Lot, the father of the Moabites, lived with Abraham. Lot saw the faith of Abraham as Abraham went out into a country that he would after receive for an inheritance. Lot saw the humility of Abraham as Abraham deferred when given the choice and allowed Lot to pick which place he would go with his cattle and with his belongings. So too for Edom, Esau. Esau was raised in the covenant home. He was instructed by Isaac and Rebekah, just as Jacob was. But both of these men, in their generations, turned against Jehovah God. And that helps us, beloved, to understand who the enemy of God's church is. By and large, the enemy of God's church is not some abstract, distant foe, somebody that's far out, that's abstract, that we can't see, we can't visualize, we don't have any contact or any interactions with. But the enemy of the church is the person perhaps right next to you who despises the covenant of God. It's the person whom you rub shoulders with at the workplace. It's the advertisements of the world which tempt you to make an idol out of the things of this earth. The enemy of the church is anyone who tries to turn you away from faith and from trusting in the promises of Jehovah God. And at times, the enemies of the church even are family members who were raised in the context of a covenant community, who were given instruction from the Word of God, but who then have turned their back on that Word, repudiated it, repudiate it, reject it, and now taunt and mock the children of God. The star of Jacob would be fighting against and have dominion over those who in their generations were a part of that body, the outward body of Israel. Over this enemy, the star of Jacob would be given dominion. One word which describes this dominion is the word smite. A star of a scepter shall arise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab. Smite, that's a rich and figurative word in the original. The idea is that of churning butter. In Kephalim, generations gone by, you would take the milk, put that milk in a vessel, and you would beat that with a rod. You would churn it. You would separate the milk fat from the rest of the milk, and churn it into butter. Just as that milk is churned into butter, so the Moabites would be churned 
by the, by the scepter out of Israel. They would be beat in such a way that they would not even be recognizable anymore as a distinct nation. Jeremiah 48, verses 20 and 25. Moab is confounded, for it is broken down. Howl and cry. Tell ye it in Arnon that Moab is spoiled. The horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, saith the Lord. And then as well regarding the Edomites, we read, verse 18, Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession. That the Edomites would become the possession of this scepter of Israel indicates that Israel would have control over the Edomites. He would have the right to rule over the Edomites, which is a remarkable thought when we consider the enmity that the Edomites, the offspring of Esau, had for Jacob and the offspring of Jacob. Recall how when Jacob deceived his father into giving him the birthright blessing, Esau so hated Jacob that he informed the family that he was going to kill Jacob. Jacob had to run away and go to his uncle Laban to find refuge. And now the text tells us that Edom is going to be the possession of the scepter of Israel. Even later on in history, this enmity between Edom and the Israelites became evident in the wilderness wanderings. Remember that the Israelites were passing through the wilderness and the most direct route for them was to go through the land of the Edomites. So they asked Edom if they could pass through their land. And recall the response of the Edomites. The Edomites refused Israel's passage through the land and even threatened them. And now God promises Israel, Edom will be your possession. How powerful and how courageous would be this star of Jacob. He would be a man who was not controlled by fear or by favor. He would not be a man who would be a respecter of persons. He would not be an individual who would look at family members and give favor unto family members. But he would be an individual who would stand for that which was truth and that which was right. He would be a man who would enjoy complete dominion over the enemy nations. The text lists out a number of the enemy nations, not giving unto us here an exclusive or an exhaustive list, rather, of all of the nations that he would conquer, but rather giving unto us the part for the whole. Some of the nations are listed out, which is a picture of the fact that he would have power over all of the nations of the earth. Represented in Edom and Moab and Seir are all of the wicked nations who have exalted themselves against God, but whom the Lord will have in derision through the scepter of Israel. There would be no enemy too strong, no foe too courageous, no military general too cunning to avoid the dominion of the scepter of Israel. 
What a word of comfort this must have been for Old Testament Israel to hear the words of Balaam. There comes this star out of Jacob and this scepter out of Israel. Do you, beloved, see this man? Do you know the star of Jacob? Do you behold him in his glory and in his power? I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. And the, what he's saying here is there is a day in the future where you will be able to see him. You cannot see him face to face right now, but you will be able to see this man. Do you see this star and this scepter out of Israel? Behold him, David. David who was a star out of Jacob. David who was a man after God's own heart who stood out in his exceptional holiness and devotion unto Jehovah God. David a man who loved the word of the Lord, who meditated upon the precepts of the Lord. David, who, because he was a man who walked very close unto Jehovah God, was also then a powerful warrior. He was the scepter out of Israel. He was the one who had power over the land of Israel, who enlarged the borders of the nation, who conquered the Edomites and the Moabites and the surrounding nations of Israel. David is that man whom God sent forth as God's gracious gift unto the nation of Israel. An unlikely man. Not someone that the people would have selected as their choice to be the star out of Jacob and the scepter out of Israel. The people wanted Saul. Saul who was tall and who was handsome. Saul who was respected among the people. But Saul was not that man who would be the star and the scepter. God chose David. But even David failed. And even David is not the ultimate fulfillment of this text. The star and the scepter was the man to whom David pointed Jesus. Do you see this star and this scepter, Jesus? Behold him as he shines forth brilliantly and what is the brilliance of jesus christ it is his holiness there is no darkness in him at all he is the express image of his father who is in heaven the one who sought the will of his father the one who was obedient even when it cost him his own life at calvary jesus who is Visible, visible in both of his comings. They saw Jesus Christ in his first entrance into this world. There were the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. They looked up and they saw the glory of the Lord which shone round about them and they were sore afraid. 
And the angel of the Lord came and ministered unto them and told them that there was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so they went and they worshipped Jesus, whom they saw visibly laying laying in that manger. And then there was above Jerusalem that star, which the wise men from the east beheld from afar. They followed that star. They sought Jesus Christ, and they gave unto the newborn baby king gifts. They saw him. Do you see the king, the star out of Jacob? They saw him in his first coming. We see him in his second coming. The Bible tells us we will see him. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We will see him on the clouds of glory, shining forth as the radiant light. We will see him as the captain of our salvation, the one who is the scepter of Israel, who holds dominion over the church because he has redeemed the church. From the devil. We see him even now by faith. Watch, Jesus Christ commanded his disciples, watch and pray. Behold his footsteps as this star returns to the earth. You hear in the news of war and rumors of wars. And there you have another footstep, another evidence of his coming. You hear reports of turmoil in the physical creation, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. But where especially, beloved, do you behold this star as he comes to his people, it's in the preaching, which is the outstanding sign of the return of Jesus Christ. Watch and behold the star of Jacob as he returns the eternal word of life to take his own unto his Father in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank thee that thou dost give to us thy word, that thou didst use even Balaam of old to prophesy of the coming of Christ. Father, at this time of year, wilt thou give unto us the ability to focus on our Lord and our Savior. There are many earthly, physical lights 
which are seen at this time of year. But above all, may we seek the great light, the star out of Jacob, the scepter out of Israel, who has redeemed us from our sins, and who now sits enthroned at thy right hand. Wilt thou strengthen our faith, give us the ability to live in obedience to thee in the week ahead, Wilt thou hear this prayer, Lord Jesus' sake? Amen.